Well, study tonight, Father, but I need your help. I pray you'd have your Holy Spirit come upon me. I pray that you'd help me, Father, to say the things you would have me to say, and that you would help me, Father, to just be able to minister to these people. Lord, I do ask that you'd help to them as we attempt to preach your word, Father. I know the, the devil tries to distract us. The devil wants to cause there to be distractions, cause there to be uh, things that would keep people from being able to hear the word, Lord. And I know sometimes we can't uh, help those things we, with children and stuff. But I do ask, Father, that for those of us who are older, for those of us who can control ourselves, I pray you'd help us to just not be a distraction to minimize the amount of noise, to minimize the amount of moving, Father, to have respect for the Word of God, not necessarily for the preacher, but for the Word that is being preached, that it would minister unto us, Father, and that we leave here tonight knowing that we've heard from You. Father, we love You. In our precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Exodus chapter number 32. And on Wednesday nights we've been preaching through the book of Exodus. And I, I'm always amazed just how, I mean, if you've been with us now for a few months, we've, we've literally preached through every verse in the book of Exodus up to uh, chapter 32. And there's only 40 chapters in the book of Exodus. We're almost done with Exodus. And when we're done with Exodus, you ask, what are we going to do? We'll study another book of the Bible. And we'll study another book of the Bible. Another way. And you say, well, what will we do when we study the entire Bible, every verse, chapter by chapter? Then we'll start over. And we'll study it again. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. And I'm excited about that. But uh, if you remember from last week, we talked about the fact that uh, the children of Israel have been traveling through uh, the wilderness here. And I, and I want to show you something. Keep your finger there in Exodus 32 because we're coming back to it. But let me just show you something. I've showed you this before, but I want to show it to you again. If you go with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter number 7. In the New Testament, you've got the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you've got the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 7. If you look at verse number 38, I believe this verse really explains to us why it is worth it for us as a local New Testament church to study the Old Testament, to study Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And if you're there in Acts chapter number 7, if you look at verse number 38, the Bible says, This is he that was in the church. I want you to notice it says, In the church in the wilderness. Now the word church, for those of you who don't know, is a the, the word church means congregation. But you know, a lot of times we think of a church as a building, but the word church is is a congregation. It's a group of people gathering together. That's what a church is. And the Bible here is referring to the congregation all throughout the Old Testament. The Bible refers to the children of Israel as the congregation that was in the wilderness, but in the New Testament it refers to them as the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai. That's exactly where we're at right now in the book of Exodus. The congregation or the church is in the wilderness in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give us to us. Those oracles are referring to the Word of God, which is exactly what we're reading about in Exodus 32, when Moses comes down with the tables there of the Word of God. But I want you to see that the Bible in the New Testament refers to the congregation of Israel, or the church of Israel, in the Old Testament as a church. And I believe, you can go back to Exodus 32, Actually, before you do that, just keep your finger there in Acts or put a bulletin there or something because we're going to be coming back to the New Testament. I, th- I think you're used to that by now. But uh, go to, just keep your finger there in Acts as we'll be going to it. But the children in the book of 
Exodus, the children of Israel, I believe, are a type or a picture of the church, uh, the churches today in the New Testament. And the children of Israel, uh, in this passage here, got into a very grave sin, and actually got into multiple sins. And I believe that this is an example of similar sins or similar beliefs that our local New Testament churches today are practicing. And if you remember, if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that Moses had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, had brought them to Mount Sinai, but then he went up to Mount Sinai, and he's been there with God for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you remember, Joshua went with him. Joshua did not go to the presence of God. Joshua was uh, Moses' servant, and he kind of traveled halfway with him, and he's kind of camped halfway between the children of Israel and where Moses is. But Moses has been with God for 40 days and 40 nights, and it's been miraculous because he's been fasting without food or water uh, up there. And, and as we've been studying through the book of Exodus, everything we've studied from chapters 25 through chapters 31 have all been a conversation between God and Moses on Mount Sinai. In fact, if you just go real quickly, go to Exodus 24. If you look at verse 18, the last verse of Exodus 24, I showed you this last week, Exodus 24, verse 18, the Bible says, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and got him up into the mountain. I'll wait for you to get there, because I want you to see it. Exodus chapter 24, verse number 18. Exodus 24, verse 18. And Moses went into the, ma- the midst of the cloud, and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. So you see there, he goes up to the mount at the end of chapter 24, and for chapters 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31... He's on that mount, and in chapter 32, he's coming down off the mountain. You need to understand that to understand the sermon. Now, I want to explain something for, to you also. Tonight, we're not going to go through the entire chapter of 32. There's so much to teach in this chapter that we're going to break it up into two, into two weeks. And we're not going to deal with... Next week, we'll see how Moses deals with this sin. But tonight, I want to, you to look at it. I want to study how the children of Israel uh, sinned against God. And the reason for that is because they represent the church in the New Testament, and how the churches today in the New Testament could be following those sins. Point number one, the people sinned against God, and one of the sins was that the people followed after the wrong person. The people followed after the wrong person. Are you there in Exodus 32? Look at verse number one. Exodus 32, verse one, the Bible says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down. Because he didn't know how long he was going to be there. And he's been there for 40 days. Now when you think about 40 days, 40 days is a long time. 40 days is over a month that their leader has been God. And they're starting to think, is Moses coming back? Is Moses dead? Was he attacked by an animal? Did God kill him on the mountain? And if you look at verse 1, it says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, look what they did. The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For Notice, notice the reasoning. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Do you see that? See, they're saying, we don't know what happened to Moses. Moses is our leader. Moses brought us out of Egypt. Moses has been leading us this way. He went up to the mountain to talk to, talk to God. Forty days later, we haven't heard from him. We don't know what happened to him. And, they, and, and notice what happens. As soon as their spiritual leader is gone, they're no longer serving God. 
They're no longer following God. They're no longer walking with God. And in fact, they ask Aaron if they'd make him a false god, if they'd make him an idol to worship. And what you've got to understand is, the first sin of the children of Israel is that they, the people followed after the wrong person. You said, who was the wrong person? They were following Moses. Now you say, well, was it wrong for them to follow Moses? There is a right way to follow leadership. You've got to understand that. Now keep your finger in Exodus 32. Go real quick with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Then you've got the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you kept your finger there in Acts, then you just go past the book of Romans and go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm not saying that you ought not follow leadership or spiritual leadership. In fact, the, God is the one who established leadership. God, and, and for the local New Testament church, God established two offices. The office of a pastor and the office of a deacon. And God gave us uh, uh, scriptural uh, qualifications for those pastors. And, uh, the, the word, and by the way, in the Bible, the word pastor, the word elder, and the word bishop is used uh, uh, interchangeably. They're the same word. It's the same office. But you've got the office of a pastor, you've got the office of a deacon, God has given a spiritual leadership, but here's what you got to understand about spiritual leadership, are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Look at verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And the Apostle Paul was obviously a pastor, was an apostle, was a missionary. And notice he says, be followers of me. Now he says, follow me, but notice, be followers as of me even or in the same way as I also am of Christ. Do you see that? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. We ought to follow leadership, spiritual leadership, only in the sense that leadership is following Christ. Do you understand that? We ought, you say, well, should we follow the pastor? As long as the pastor is following uh, Christ, then you ought to follow the pastor. Amen. And by the way, uh, you ought to follow, it's, the Bible says, the Apostle Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, look, I preach all the time uh, in regards to following leadership, and I believe children ought to obey their parents. And by the way, I, I don't care how unpopular this is, or how against society it is, the Bible teaches that, that uh, wives ought to submit to their own husbands. And the Bible says that, and I believe it. Why is that a submit to their own husbands? But as soon as your husband asks you to do something that goes against God, then we ought to obey God rather than men. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sometimes women will walk up to me and they'll say things like, well, pastor, you preach that I ought to submit to my husband, but my husband forbids me to come to church. Well, then you disobey your husband. Because you ought to obey God rather than men. You know, if your husband asks you to, to wash the dishes, then wash the dishes. You know, if your husband asks you to, to whatever, then, then do it. But if he says, quit going to church, or if he says, quit reading your Bible, or if he says, quit talking about Jesus Christ, then hey, we obey God. Does that make sense? You ought to follow the, the, your, your leadership at work. Even those people have been put on, on above you, and you ought to obey them. But let me tell you something, as soon as your boss ask you to lie about something, then that's where the leadership ends. Does that make sense? And you, to, and you ought to follow the leader as long as he's following Christ. And how do we know if a leader is following Christ? Well, Jesus Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And, we, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, you say, how do we know if the, if the pastor is following Christ? Well, you don't. But as soon as we get away from the Word of God, then we know we're no longer following Christ. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. We follow leadership in the sense that they're following Christ. They should have been following Moses because he was following God. But here's the problem. The Bible teaches we ought to only follow men as they follow God. But when the leader is no longer there, you ought to still follow God. Because the only reason... 
you're following the leaders because he's following God. So the leader's no longer there. You gotta still use them. People, people, I hear testimonies all the time. You know, and Moses obviously didn't fall into sin or did anything wrong. Moses was up fellowshipping with God for 40 days. But sometimes we'll hear stories of, of men in ministry who maybe fall into sin, or I shouldn't say fall into sin, because none of us fall into sin. They walk into sin, or they decide to have sin, and maybe because of it, they forfeit their ministry, and they've got to quit the ministry, maybe because they got a divorce, or maybe because they were an adult, or something like that. And they forfeit the ministry, and then we hear people quitting church because of it. Now let me tell you something. It is a sad thing when a pastor goes into sin, and when a preacher or a leader loves that. But let me tell you something. If you quit because pastor he manages in here, then who are you following? Does that make sense? That makes sense. You say, well, 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 my pastor quit, that's why I quit. Well, you shouldn't be following your pastor, you ought to be following God. Now follow the pastor as long as he follows God. But let me tell you something, man will fail you. In fact, not only, you know, I say this all the time, and I apologize if it makes me sound bitter, but maybe I'm just a little bitter. Man will not only fail you, man is looking for opportunities to fail you. <laughs> they're, 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 they're just chomping at the bits to fail you. But God will never fail you. Pastor Jimenez may fail you. Pastor Jimenez may forget to shake your hand. Or he may forget your birthday. Or he may accidentally say something rude to you. Or I may be in a bad mood. And hey, I'm a human. I'm a, I'm, I'm a sinner. But let me tell you something. Christ will never fail you. God will never fail you. The Word of God will never fail you. Follow the leader as long as he follows Christ. And they, ought to, they should have been following Moses. But here's the thing. When Moses went on the picture, they quit on God. What that shows us is that they were following a person, they were following a man, not the Lord. If we quit following God because our human leadership is gone, then we were never truly following God. Let me ask you something. What if Pastor Menace dropped dead tomorrow? Would this church continue? What if, what, if, what if, and Lord willing, this will never happen, but what, what if, you know, never happen, good night. You know, what, what if I got a sickness or something that, that, that caused me to not be able to preach the sermons here? Would you quit on God? And here's the thing, you know, the, the question is this, we ought to follow God. And there's nothing wrong with following men, you can go back to Exodus 32, but we ought to follow men. Paul said, follow me, even as I follow Christ. And we see here that the first sin the children of Israel had is that they weren't grounded in the fact that they were following after God. They were following a man, Moses, and when that man was removed, there went, there went their faith. There went their, 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 their love for God or trust in God. And see, today... Actually, I told you to go back to Exodus 3 too, right? Uh, just real quickly, go to Ephesians in your New Testament. Because here's what you've got to understand. Today, we've got churches filled with people... Ephesians chapter number 6, please. Right before the book of Philippians, Ephesians, right after the book of Galatians. If you're in 1 Corinthians, you go past 2 Corinthians, past the book of Galatians, and then you'll get into the book of Ephesians. If you go to Philippians or Colossians, you went too far. Ephesians chapter number 6. Let me show you this. Today, we've got people that are more interested in pleasing men than they are in pleasing God. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at verse number 6, the Bible says, it says, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. See, the Bible tells us that some people serve God as long as it's eye service, as long as they're being seen. See, as long as somebody sees me serving, then I'll serve. Here's why. Because they're pleasers of men. Let me, let me just be very frank with you. You know, uh, I, 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 we started this church two years ago. And uh, since then, you know that my wife and I, and my children. Actually, I can't say that about my wife anymore. But... I think I think that'll be excused, but you know we I've, I've never missed a, church, uh, a service since we started Verity Baptist Church, and I don't plan on missing a service. 
And I can't say that about my wife because she was in labor on one of the services. I think you can excuse that, um, that she wasn't uh, in the church service. She was in labor uh, for that. But other than that, she's been in all the services. Now, you say, now I'm saying that to say this. I, I've never missed the church service here, but you know, one day, Pastor Mendes may, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I may go on a vacation someday <laughs> and not be here on a Wednesday night. Now, I promise you this, I'll be at church on a Wednesday night, but maybe I won't be here on a Wednesday night. And, 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 and you know, my whole life, I grew up in churches my whole life. And I've noticed this. And you can't, don't tell me it's a coincidence, because I've, I've, I've grown up in church my whole life. I, I was in the military, so we traveled a lot. And you know something that I, thought, I always thought was hilarious? Whenever the pastor said, you know, my family and I are going on our annual vacation, and we're going to be in so-and-so place, and, and we'll be at... Bible study on Wednesday night at this church, but we won't be here, and brother so-and-so will be preaching. You know what I always notice? The attendance was always way down on that service. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the truth. Yeah. And, and what that makes me think is, well, these people come to church with a pastor? That's wrong. You know what, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to announce on these days that I'm, at, I'm going on vacation, and, I, and I'm not going I'm to go on vacation. I'm going to come here and see who shows up. <laughs> I knew that person was there. See, here's a question. Why are you here? Why do you do what you do? If it's to impress me, you need a life. Seriously, you know, if it's to impress a man. But today we've got church, you know, and how else can you explain it? I mean, multiple churches, my entire life, every time that I just know, every time the pastor says, I'm not going to be here, you know, because blah, blah, and church is is down. And you can say it's a coincidence, but I don't think so. I mean, it's too consistent. You know, I, I used to, Pastor Mark Lewis, when we went to his church, he just didn't tell people when he wasn't going to be there. He just came to church someday and some guy with some other guys preaching. Because <laughs> he didn't because he wanted the people to be in church and he wanted the guy to be encouraged that I was gonna preach for him. You know, but we have to decide Exodus thirty two, you can actually go there now. Exodus thirty two, we have to decide we follow God. Why do we serve? We ought to follow spiritual leadership, but we ought to follow spiritual leadership as they follow God. And when the leadership's gone gone, God is still there. Amen. People followed after the wrong person, number two. The people gave Things the wrong position. And the people gave things in the wrong position. Are you there? Are you there in Exodus 32? Look at verse 1 again. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, notice what they said, up, make us gods. For this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Now, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I I just can't pass it up. Notice this. Aaron says to the people, they said, make us a God. So he's going to make him an idol. And he says, and Aaron said unto them, notice what he says, break off the golden earrings, right? He says, take the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, do you see that? Of your sons, do you see that? And of your daughters. Who's missing there? The husbands. Notice he didn't say take the earrings off the grown men. You know why? Because grown men don't wear earrings. The wives and the daughters wore earrings. And you say, well, why do the sons wear earrings? Because these teenagers grew up in Egypt and they were a bunch of rebellious little hoodlums. That's why. That's what I think. That's, you know, that makes sense to me. Says, so should you, Pastor, are you against men wearing earrings? Yes, I am. I'm anti. I think, I think women ought to wear earrings. I think women ought to put on lipstick. I think women ought to wear neck. I, there's one piece of jewelry I wear, and it's this thing right here. And I'll die with that. But you, whatever. You take that however you want. Somebody said to me, I can't believe you preach against earrings. I said, well, you know, uh, from my understanding, a feminine guy's wearing earrings. 
said, he said, well, I, I don't remember. I, I heard a preacher say this. He said, he said that to someone, and the guy said, he said, I, I, thought, I thought only uh, queers wore earrings. And the guy said to him, well, no, they wear their earring on, on this ear, and I wear my earring on this ear. So that's the difference. And he says, oh, okay, so you're about that far away from being a queer. Pretty good. Hey, you can't argue with all So, anyway, get back to the Bible. Exodus 32. They gave things. I didn't say that. The other guy said that. Right. If that offends you. Here's what you're going to say. They worshipped an idol. You're there, you're there in verse 2? Yeah. Look at verse 3. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. Look what it says. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they, set up, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So they made an idol and they began to worship that idol. Now, real quickly, go back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. See, God doesn't want us to have idols. In Exodus chapter 20, you find a very famous passage. We preach through it here on a Wednesday night. And it's where you find the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus chapter 20, if you look at verse number 3. I think the, I think the Ten Commandments are pretty basic, right? I mean, I think everyone's ever heard of the Ten Commandments. Probably seen them posted somewhere. And in Exodus chapter 20, the verse number 3. Here's what confuses me about Christians today. The Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Verse 4. That's the first commandment, by the way. The second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. That word graven means like engraved. Or in the, the fact that you, you can see the, the image. Notice the word image. He says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness. You see how the word likeness has this word in it? Like. So he says something that looks likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, is that pretty clear? God said, I don't want you to have a graven image. I don't want you to have anything that has a likeness. And, and, and it almost seems like, okay, God, we get it. He, he really spells it out. He says, nothing that is from the heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt, notice what he says, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now people will say that and they'll say, well see, you're not supposed to worship an idol like the one Aaron made because he made a golden calf. And I would say, I agree with that. Amen. But here's my question. Is that what the Bible says? Does the Bible say to not make an idol of a false god? No, it doesn't. It says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Does that make sense? See, the word any there, it, it gives us the idea that he's talking about any. He didn't say thou shalt not make any uh, graven image, except for, you know, a crucifix of Jesus Christ. Say, well, it's a crucifix of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but is it a graven image? See, let me explain something to you. And you've got to understand this in your Christian life. It's not right to go against the Bible to do something you think is okay. Well, it's for God. It's a picture of Jesus. Well, number one, you don't know what Jesus looked like. As far as I know, they didn't have Polaroid pictures back then. In fact, the only image you have of Jesus Christ was drawn by some homosexual in the Renaissance age, and that's why he's got long hair, and he looks like a, you know, I, 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 I like it. somebody said to me, man, those pictures of Jesus, they, they look like just a strung-out hippie. That's exactly what they look like. Long-haired, you know, skirt-wearing... Effeminate is what they look. The Bible says Jesus looked like a man. And today Christians will say, Well, I've got this crucifix and it's for Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. But the Bible says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Let me tell you something. People don't like this type of preaching. 
masturbation. And you'll walk in and you'll see an image of this, an image of that, a statue of this, a statue of that, a statue of Mary, a statue of Joseph, a statue of the crucifix, a cross here, a cross there. And you think, what is wrong with these people? You ever read the Bible? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Or any likeness. And then, and then the, the, I, I like it because the new evangelicals, they'll say, well, we won't put a, we won't put a crucifix in our church. And by the way, you walk in, in these churches, what are, they, what are you doing to these crucifixes? They're bowing down to them. Look at verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, you've got to never take a knee to anything. The first thing I'll bow my knee to will be to the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not an image of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, Christians today say, well, we won't, we won't have a crucifix in our church, Pastor. We'll just have a little dove that we'll put on the back of our car. And that will represent the Holy Spirit. Well, notice, he says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Now, I'm not that smart, but do doves fly in the heaven above? <laughs> I think they do. And they say, okay, okay, well, I'll get rid of my, my, my little dove, Pastor, and I'll just put a little sticker on the back of my car, and I'll just, it'll be a fish, a fish. That'll represent Christianity. Okay. Or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the... See, the, the Bible takes care of it all if you just... See, that's why you want, you say, why don't you guys have any crosses up or any this or that? Look, because I don't want any graven image. I don't want anything made by man. I don't want to worship an idol. But today, Christians worship idols. And they'll look down at Aaron for making a golden calf, but they'll think, well, it's okay to make you know, a picture of a guy, as long, you know, as long as you say it's Jesus. Well, it's okay to make a picture of this, or make a picture of that. Hey, let me tell you something. These are sins that churches are doing today. Today, churches will follow men versus following God. Today, churches will have idol worship. But you know that idol worship is more than just worshiping an image, and I'm all against worshiping an image. But look at verse number 3. Thou shalt have... No other gods. Notice what it says. Before me. Do you see that? See, the Bible says you should not have a God before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. That can be more than just a physical thing. Just go real quickly with me to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Ezekiel is right after the book of Isaiah. It's one of those major prophets there. Actually, I'm sorry. Ezekiel's after Jeremiah. You've got the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, those big books of the Bible. Then after that, you've got the book of Lamentations. It's a real small book. And then you've got the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number 14. Ezekiel chapter number 14. Look at verse number 3. Ezekiel chapter number 14. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says in Ezekiel 14.3. I'll wait for you to get there because I want you to see this. Idols can be more than just a physical thing. Now, we should be against the physical thing. We should not worship idols. I was very clear on that. But in Ezekiel chapter 14, in verse number 3, the Bible says, Son of man, these men have set up their idols, notice, in their heart. You see that? That's not a physical idol. Now, we are not set up physical idols, but the Bible tells us you can set up an idol in your heart. And put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? See, God says there are people that they'll say, I'm a good independent fellow Baptist. I'm not going to put a crucifix up. I'm not going to worship an idol. But the Bible says you can have an idol in your heart. See, some of you have made money an idol in your heart. When, when, when money takes the precedence or the position or the preeminence of God, when you put that, because remember, remember what he said? He said, before me. You put something before God, you just made an idol of it. Some people make an idol out of money. Let me tell you something. You skip out on church to work, guess what? You just made an idol out of your job. 
You, just get, you say, well, I got to make money. Not as much as I need to have God. Do you believe that God can take care of you? Some people, hey, some people make sports, and I don't. You know that there's literally people... I mean, I've had people say to me, you won't see me till the baseball season's over. <laughs> They'll come to church here every Sunday. Uh, football season started, you won't see me. Hey, that's an idol, my friend. You put that before God. Some people, hey, let me just be very frank with you. Some people make their families an idol. Some people say, well, uh, Pastor, we can't come to church on, on Sunday because that's our family time. Well, listen, there's 168 hours in the week. Do you think you can figure out another time that Bible family time? <laughs> You put, you put, so you say, well, we need that family time so we can't come to church. Well, you just made an idol out of your family. And you can make an idol out of sports, and you can make an idol out of work, and you can make an idol out of anything that you put before God. We ought not worship it. We ought not be for it. You know, and, and by the way, anything we put before the Bible, you just made an idol out of. You can go back, go, go with me real quick to Colossians. Colossians. Oh, no, i got to tell the story because I think it's hilarious. But on, on Sunday night, I was preaching about abortions. And let me tell you something. If, you, if you're going to try to justify abortions, killing unborn children, especially after I preached on it for an hour and, and went to like 50 different verses and, and completely proved it from Scripture, number one, you're an idiot. Number two, you, I don't even want to talk to you. I mean, if you're going to justify killing children, I, I, I don't have respect for people like that. But on Sunday night, I was preaching about abortions. And... Uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't notice it because I don't notice a lot while I'm preaching. I'm in my own zone and I just kind of just, it's, it's out there. You know? But there's this guy who I guess he was disagreeing with me or hackling me or something or just making statements. I didn't notice it because I'm just preaching. You know? I'm just like that. I can't, if I let things distract me, then, then we'll never get through anything. So I didn't really notice the guy at all. But, but I, was, I was so proud of my wife because Brother Vincent was six so she was, he wasn't here and my wife walks up to that guy and my wife says that's not what I said but that's how I'm going to tell the story but she walks up with the baby and she says sir she says something along the lines of you need to shut your mouth <laughs> that's what I think she said I don't know she says, she says, I, didn't, she says I didn't say that I didn't say that she's very polite she's very kind but she told the guy you know but let me tell you something if you if, if I can show you something out of the Bible if I can show you, I mean, could it be any more clear that according to the Bible, cons- life begins at conception? That's right. I mean, I think we, we did a pretty thorough job at proving that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we did a pretty thorough job at proving the fact that, uh, that, that when you end life after conception, God caused that murder. Yeah. And if you look at the Bible, and you see those verses, and you still disagree with it, then guess what? You don't belong here. And you're an idiot. And, and, or you're not saved, or, or you don't, you gotta take an English course and learn how to read the Bible. I mean, if you, if you look at things in the Bible and they say, grave an image, and you say, I can't believe you said that! <laughs> I've had people say that to me. And they get mad, I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to, I mean, we gotta go back to first grade and let's, let's, you know, let's just read. <laughs> just look at it. Well, I, that's what so and so taught me! Then that person's an idol in your heart. When anything comes before the Bible, my friend, you get mad at you get mad at Pastor Matters all you want. Don't bother me a bit. There's only one person in this world I'm trying. Well, there's two people in this world I'm trying to please. One of them is God, and the other one's my wife. Other than that, you can be mad at me all day long. Don't bother me. I'm not running for election. But when you get mad at the Word of God, see what that tells us is there's a problem in your heart. You've got an idol in your heart. The Bible says they've set up their idols. In their heart. Are you there in Colossians? Look at, uh, look at chapter 1. Look at verse number 8. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, Colossians chapter 1. 
I'm sorry, not verse 8, verse 18. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Look what the Bible says. And He, talking about Jesus, you can go back and read the context if you want, if you don't believe me. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Do you see that? Yes. That's what the Bible says. Say, well, what, what, you know, you say, uh, Pastor, I'm going to put this sticker on my car, and it says, God's the co-pilot. Well, if God's your co-pilot, you got to switch seats, because you got to be the pilot. Amen. He doesn't want the number two position in your life. He wants the preeminence in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. He wants everything or nothing to come before Him. He wants to come before everything. Are you there in Colossians? Look at uh, chapter 3. I, look, I showed these verses to the guys at men's preaching night, but I'll show it to you, to you anyway. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse number 1. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, I'm talking about the fact that you're saved, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What should you be doing as a Christian? Seeking those things which are above. Seeking God first. Amen. Seeking those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Notice he says, set your affection. That word affection is talking about love. He says, set your affection or set your love on things above, not on things on the earth. Look at verse 3. For, why? Why should we not have our love? Why should we not love things on the earth and we have to set our affection on things above? Verse 3. For, that word for means because ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ and God. See, when you got saved, you died to this world. You died to the things of this world. And by the way, let me tell you something. If you're saved, you're dead to the things of this world. Do you understand that? That means I don't, I, I don't, I should not desire the things of this world. I should not desire the, hey, by the way, I should not desire the friendships of this world. I should not desire the relationships of this world. You say, Pastor, amen, I need friends. Where can I find them? I don't know. Find them around Christian. Find them around saved people. Why? Because I'm dead to this world. I don't need this world. I don't want this world. I don't know if you noticed, but this world is messed up. Yeah. This world is insane. Yeah. This world looks at us and says, We're, you're, you're in a cult. Because we don't think that you should murder a baby. Mm-hmm. Look, if that's crazy, then guilty as charged. You're insane. The Bible says that we're dead to this world, but look, notice this. See, see, when you don't like this type of preaching, here's the problem. Look at look, verse number four. Look what it says. When Christ, notice what this is what God expects of you. Who is our life? Do you see that? See, God expects... He said, well, how much does God expect from me? Does He expect Sunday morning? Does He expect Sunday night? Does He expect Wednesday? No, He expects all of it. He expects your entire life. In fact, He is your life. He says, for Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. See, I said number one, the people followed after the wrong person. Number two, the people worshipped... I'm sorry, the people uh, gave the wrong position to, di- to things. Now, let me see it now in my notes. The people gave things the wrong position. And number three, we're going to get to this quickly. The people worshipped with the wrong purpose. we got 15 minutes, you're doing fine. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, look at verse number 6 real quickly. Exodus 32. Now here's what I think is interesting as you read this passage. It's very, very interesting. Exodus uh, 32, look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And they, look what it says, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 6, And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now, uh, read verse 5 real quickly. I want you to see that too. And when Aaron saw it, the calf that he made, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation, and said, notice what Aaron said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. 
Now, if, if you've read the book of Leviticus, then you understand that these feasts were good things. This is what God asked them to do. They were supposed to do a feast of burnt offerings. They were supposed to do a peace, uh, 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 peace offerings and all those different things. But they were supposed to do it unto the Lord. But notice, He said, Tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord, verse 5. And then in verse 6, And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And uh, the people sat down to eat and play and rose up to play. Now here's what I want you to understand. They did these offerings that they were supposed to do to the Lord, but instead they did it to this cow. You understand that? Mm-hmm. It's an idol. Now here's what I think is interesting. These people brought their gold and had Aaron made an idol, make an idol out of it. They knew where the idol came from. They watched Aaron melt the gold. They watched Aaron mold the calf. They watched Aaron engrave the image. They watched Aaron, you know, cool it down. They watched Aaron carry. And by the way, I don't want, I don't want a god that I can carry. Does that make sense? <laughs> they brought Aaron, put this calf on his shoulder, bring it out, and he said, Israel, here are your gods that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. How insane. And, and here's what the people said. Let's bring it offerings. Now here's what's interesting. They knew that path didn't bring them out of Egypt. These people saw the Red Sea part and, and be able to walk on dry ground. These people saw the plagues of Egypt. They saw all these different things happen. They saw the power of God upon their life. They watched all this happen. And then they look at this golden calf. And they knew that calf didn't do those things. But they brought... Sacrifices. You know what? They offered sacrifices to something they knew was not God for the sake, listen to me, for the sake of performing a religious act. Well, we just got to offer the offering. That's what we do. We just, we, well, we got to do the offering. We got to bring the birth offering. We got to bring the meal offering. We got to bring this. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Real quickly. 1 Samuel. See, see, you know what the problem is churches in America have today? Here's the problem. Where they're more interested in rituals, they're more interested in religious ceremony, they're more interested in tradition than they are in what the Bible says. Than they are in worshiping God. See, when we've gone to a place where church is a tradition, it's a religion, it's something we do. Well, this is what I do. We go to church on Sunday morning, and then we do this, and then we bow, and then we do that, and then we do this, and that's what we do. This is what we do. You're wrong, my friend. Well, we just bring the feet to the cap. That cap didn't save you. Which is what we do. Are you there in 1 Samuel chapter 15? Look at verse 22. 1 Samuel 15, 22. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22. Here you find Samuel, who was supposed to be waiting for the priest. I'm sorry, you, you find Saul, who was supposed to be waiting for the priest Samuel to come. To be able to do the offering before Saul went into war. Now Samuel was running late, like a good Baptist preacher. And he was, sometimes I'm running late. Have you noticed that? It's, it's because uh, I have to talk to people on the phone to make me late. So no, I'm just kidding. But Samuel was running late. And Saul, see here's what Saul should have done. He should have waited and said, we'll go on with our plans when the man of God shows up. But instead Saul said, well, let's just go ahead and do the ceremony. And that will get us God's blessing. And then we'll go fight the war. Now here's what you understand. God doesn't bless a ceremony. God blesses His obedience. They were supposed to wait for the man of God. They were supposed to wait for Samuel. The fact that they did a burnt offering did not... It goes again, you know, well we did it. 
Well, we, well, we did the, the ceremony. And look, notice what Samuel says when he shows up. Are you there? Uh, look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Bible says, and Samuel said, look, this is what Samuel said to Saul. Because Samuel, like a good Baptist preacher, is rebuking him. Saying, you're wrong. You should have done that. That was sin. That was wrong. I think he even called him an idiot somewhere. Maybe it's in the Hebrew. I don't know. But in 1 Samuel 22, 1 Samuel 15, 22, look what he says. And Samuel said, look what he said. Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You see that? Samuel shows up and says, Saul, I don't care how many offerings you perform. I don't care how many rituals you did. I don't care how many ceremonies you gave. I don't care how many traditions you did. God is more interested in obedience than He is in sacrifice. And today we have churches, well, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. I've got my little crucifix here and I'm going to bow down to it. <laughs> doesn't matter what the Bible says. I'm gonna, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're, and we're just going to... Let me tell you something. If you show up to church on Sunday morning just to say you showed up to church or somewhere in your subconscious be able to say, well, I fulfilled my duty, check. You ought to get right with God, my friend. The purpose we do church, the purpose we have Bible study, the purpose we do these things is so that we can worship God, not for you to do your little sacrifice. And say, well, I'm good for another week. Have the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. That's it. You know what that means? The voice of the Lord that represents the Word of God. God is more interested in you obeying His Word than in you giving Him an offering. God is more interested in you obeying His Word than in you sacrificing. Keep the sacrifice and obey God's Word. Thank you, Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the rams. Look at verse 23. I love verse 23. For rebellion, and that's what it is, by the way. When you look at the Bible, then you say, I don't care what the Bible says. I, I'm going to do what I want to do. He says, for rebellion is as the sin as witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and, notice what it says, idolatry. That's one of those idols you put in your heart. What, 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 what idol did I put in my heart? Stubbornness, iniquity, rebellion. See, it's easy to preach against physical things. You start dealing with the heart and all of a sudden people start, Oh, that's a little close to home, Pastor. That's exactly where I want to be, my friend. (laughs) Behold, it says, Thou hast rejected, notice what he said, Thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. You start rejecting God, that's a very quick way to get Him to reject you, my friend. The people worshipped with the wrong person. This is the last point. The people went after the wrong pleasure. Go back to Exodus 32 just real quickly. Can I, I think i got time to show you this. Exodus 32. We got, we got five minutes. We can do it. Exodus 32. Look at verse number 6. Exodus 32, verse 6. Very interesting terminology that the Bible uses. Exodus 32, 6. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink. And I want you to notice this term. And rose up to play. You see that? They rose up to play. Now, we're going to get to the rest of this passage next week, but let me show you a verse. Exodus 32, look at verse number 17. Skip over to verse number 17. If you remember, God told Moses, you need to get down because the people are just insane. They're worshiping an idol. He says they've corrupted themselves. And in verse, But see, Moses didn't tell Joshua that. 
Moses is just mad. <laughs> He's just like, I'm going to get down there right now. And, and, and I can just imagine Moses just sprinting past Joshua, and Joshua's like, oh, there goes... Moses is just running after him, and as they're coming down the mountain, they're getting closer to the people. Uh, I love Josh. Josh is, you know, he's just a young man at this point. Obviously, he becomes a great man of God later in his life. But Joshua, in verse 17, says, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, and he's a young man, but he's, he's a warrior too. We've already seen him fight some battles, Joshua. But it says, And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, notice, he heard the noise of the people, and they shouted, and he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. So he's, he, he, they're getting closer and he hears all this noise and he's saying, man, the people are under attack. They're in battle. They're in war. And look at verse 18. And Moses, and he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. The word mastery means, he says, I don't hear people shouting because they're winning a battle. He says, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. He says, I don't hear people crying because they're being killed. He says, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. Do you see that? He says, they're not fighting, Joshua. They're having a party down there. He says, I hear the noise of it. But it's funny because when they're worshiping an idol, do you think they were playing God's music? Or do you think they were playing the world's music? Well, you know, it becomes a little more clear. Look at verse number 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked. Do you see that? So the people were naked. For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Do you see that? Do you think they were playing God's music? Or do you think they were playing the world's music? See, I think it's funny because Joshua's coming down and Joshua hears something he's never heard in the camp of Israel before. He's hearing the world's music. And when he hears the world's music, he doesn't identify it as the world's music. He identifies it as people dying. <laughs> as war. He says the noise of war. You know that sometimes that I'm, I'm uh, driving down the street and somebody will, uh, you know, I'm at a red light, someone will pull up next to me and they'll be blasting their rap hip-hop music. You know what I think? Wars! Are we, in war? Are we back in Iraq? <laughs> it's like, oh no, that's just the world's music. Let me tell you something, there's a distinct sound to the world's music. And by the way, you know what's associated with the world's music? Nakedness. Your little MTV. You know what's always on your MTV music video? Naked women. You know what's always on your MTV naked uh, you know, videos and all of that? Just sexuality, lust. That's what they were doing. Say, so what was the problem? The people went after the wrong pleasure. See, the Bible says at the end of verse 6, and rose up to play. What exactly does that mean? Well, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're almost done. The faster you move, the faster we can get you out of here, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 7. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible gives us a commentary on Exodus chapter 32. And the Bible tells us exactly what they were doing. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 7. The Bible says, Neither be ye idolaters. Do you see that? That's exactly what they were doing. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. He's referring back to the children of Israel. As it is written, look what it says. Note, tell me if this sounds familiar. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Does that sound familiar? We just read that in Exodus, right? So we know we're talking about the same thing. He says they rose up to play. Now you say, what does that mean they rose up to play? Look at verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in that in one day 3,020 uh, three and twenty thousand. Uh, 20, the Bible explains to us 
That when they rose up to play, when they got out their world's music and their clothing came off and they began to have a party, the Bible says they rose up to play. But later in Corinthians, God explains to us that what that means is that they were fornicating. They were in immoral sin. And let me tell you something. Today we have churches filled with people that are serving men over God. That's why they get offended at the word of God. We have churches that are filled with people that, that are giving uh, the wrong position to different things and putting idols in their heart. Today we have people that are worshiping for the wrong purpose. Not because they want to serve God. Not because they want to love God. Not because they want to do what the Bible says. But because they want to follow tradition. Because they want to follow ritual. Because they want to, well this is what we've always done. And today by the way... We've got churches that are filled with people that are in sin. We have churches that are filled with people that are in fornication. Today we have churches filled with people that are in adultery, that are getting divorced, that are sleeping around, being around. Yeah, let me tell you something. It's sin. It's wrong. It's not right. And you say, I can't believe you're preaching on this, Pastor. Are you mad? We ought to be mad. We ought to be mad at sin. We ought to be mad at fornication. We ought to be mad at this. Hey, God called us to be different. So you're never going to build a church like this. It's not my job to build a church. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All I'm doing is preaching the word of God. Today we've got people in churches that are more interested in pleasure. And that's why people say this. People make statements like this to me. People say statements like this to me all the time. Well, Pastor, I understand you said that. And I agree with it. But see, you don't understand. My situation. No, see, your situation is this. You're more interested in your pleasure than you are in serving God. Just be honest. If that's what it is, I look, I don't care. You want to live in fornication, live in fornication. But don't tell me why you, why it's just, I can't control myself. Then get married. I, I can't. But you don't understand that. I can't. I can't. No, quit giving me your excuses why you can't do something and just understand that you've allowed your flesh to get so strong. You've allowed the pleasure to get so strong. These people were wrong for being in fornication. And they need to get right with God. And you know what they needed? And what they got was a man of God coming down off a mountain, angry and mad and correcting and rebuking and saying, we need to get right with God. Amen. Say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we need to get right with God. Amen. I'm saying we need to get back to the Bible. I'm saying we need to get back to worshiping God in a proper way. And the proper way is not in a way that makes you feel good. It's in a way that follows the Bible. We need to get back to the Bible. We need a revival in the Word of God. This is the only book that can help you. This is the only book that can help me. This is the only book that can help our country. Look, there's a presidential debate going on right now. And what those two guys are saying will do nothing to help this country. But this book will. And that's what we need. We need America back to these principles. And let me tell you something. When this offends someone, drop them. If they can't see the, the, the beauty of the Word of God, if they can't give God His preeminence... And just forget about it. Amen. This last passage we'll look at. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 24. Next week we'll see what the man of God did when he came out off that mount. Very interesting. Today we just studied the sin of the people. Hebrews chapter number 11. Today we saw the people's sin. Next week we'll see uh, the preacher's steps. What he took. The steps he took to get these people back on track. But in Hebrews chapter 11, but let me, tell you, let me give you a preview to next week's sermon. Moses was mad. And you want to know why I think he was mad? I think he was mad because in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 24, the Bible says this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, notice, God brought the children out of Egypt. 
But long before he brought the, the, the followers out of Egypt, he brought the leader out of Egypt. He says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, look at verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, notice, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, here you find a man, and I'm, gonna get, I'm getting too much into my next, next week's sermon, but here you find a man who said, I will, he was a prince of Egypt, he could have had anything he wanted, any pleasure he wanted, he said, I will reject the pleasures of this world to serve the people of God, and I can just imagine how heartbroken he was when he left for 40 days, and those people chose to reject the reproach of God and follow the pleasures of this world. Let me tell you something. These people had problems. Their problems were they were following the wrong person. They were giving things the wrong position. They were worshiping with the wrong purpose. And they were going after the wrong pleasure. And you and I got to decide in our hearts tonight. You say, well, that's going on in other churches. Let it not happen here. Let it not happen in your heart. Let it not. Let's not be a people that are clean on the outside, but our hearts are filled with idols. We ought to search out our hearts and get the sin out of our lives tonight. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. And Father, you know what I love about Wednesday nights? Is that on Wednesday night, we're just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible. We're just preaching the text we're in. And Father, I pray you'd let the Word of God to pierce our hearts. And sometimes it hurts, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it's always the Word of God. Father, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the fact that there's a group of people that says we love the Bible, we love God, we love souls, we want to see them saved, we want to see them grow. Father, I know we got a lot of work going into this weekend, a lot of sowing that needs to be done, a lot of studying that needs to be done, a lot of preparation. I pray you'd bless everyone here. Thank you for allowing them to be here on a Wednesday night. In your precious name I pray. Amen.